Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. RC After Hours in the studio here. Come join us live on Facebook. Uh, hang out with us. Answer some questions. Joining us in studio today is Mike. Oh, wait. There is no Mike Collins. Oh, once again, he is back out in the woods chasing the deer. But that's okay. We got some other guests joining us today. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if he pops up here on Facebook and joins us. Uh, as always, though, up in the great white north, and it is snowing up there right now, is Andre Russo. Good morning. Good morning, Andre. And I got a big white furry dog here coming in. And our special guest today, just coming on to hang out, just talk RC in general. So everybody that's uh, joining us live, if you got any questions, this is going to be the day because we're just going to have some fun and do some bench racing today. But our special guest is the always great Alpha Enos. Howdy, gentlemen. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Oh, good. Glad you could uh, be here and join us today on this fine Sunday morning here anyway in the States. What time is it over where you're at? Uh, it's about 9 p.m. on Sunday evening. I'm Sunday. in the future. Ah, so, <laughs> so not too bad then, really. The good news is it's going to be a good day, everybody. Yes. Minimum of crashes, probably only going to crash like two airplanes. <laughs> Other than that, it's going to be a great Sunday. Okay, speaking of crashing airplanes, though, what... Uh, I love to ask people all the time. Things change. You might be working on some stuff, but in general, you know, a lot of you developers, you, you have a favorite plane or planes or whatever. So, what have you just been flying for fun recently? Uh, fun, fun, fun. Um, I thought you were going with crashing. I thought you were going to ask what I've killed recently. <laughs> well, we can, we can, go, we we'll can go there that. too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's a much longer list. Um, you know, because we're heading into the holidays, like, I got to be honest, my favorite fun thing I can't talk about just yet. Oh, but um, but other than that, I've been flying my my L thirty nine. We sort of yeah, uh, we're 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 in that the fun throes of the first three months after a launch. You just try to get to the magic five hundred flights and just push, push, push. Because they're out, we we can get a little reckless and start scraping paint on low passes. So, mm. so I think um, we've 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 rumbled these things into the dirt, into the dirt a few times by now. And and for me, any airplane once it's a little scuffed, it flies better. Yeah. So you you know you push the envelope, and every airplane has that that moment, that phase when it's just the most fun airplane because you no longer care about how pretty right. it looks. <laughs> so probably uh probably that one and I've got a I've got an ASW twenty eight as well that I've been uh doing some FPV FPV with recently, which ah. is relaxing. Mm-hmm. Relaxing when everything's going so fast. How how has the uh L thirty nine been doing for you guys? I think it's a beautiful looking uh jet, uh right the right size, you know, for me. So I'm just curious, you know, being a, a so called trainer jet. How has it been doing? Um, it, it, it actually kind of surprised us. It turned out to be our one of our biggest releases in the past couple of years. Wow. So um, I think a lot of people ended up, ended up flying it. And um, once they flew it, they came back and jumped on Hobby Squawk, jumped on RC Groups and said, yep, flies great, everybody. 
And uh, we, we did see sort of a second wave of people just jumping in. And like you said, trainer jet, it's, it's something that isn't going to bite you. Uh, it's not your first RC airplane, but I think the appeal has been that something that isn't great, it's something that isn't uh, necessarily out there in wide circulation, but mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to bite you. So that, that whole, that whole usability thing is what, uh, and the flight envelope obviously of that sport jet in the scale jet, the uh, clothing really worked out for us. So we're, we're happy people like them and uh, the usual teething pains and a couple of things people have um, I'm curious We're to, happy. yeah, I'm curious to know on some of your releases, do you, you guys find that some people, obviously you're going to have the group that maybe when you release something that uh, catches somebody right away, or maybe it's their favorite plane or jet or whatever, like they got to have it no matter if it flies like crap or whatever, they just have to have it. But do you guys find that sometimes it takes, um, a uh, few weeks after the release or a month to where it really catches on once it gets in the hands of a few people and they're talking about it on Hobby Squawk and it gets out there that, hey, you know, this m- might not be my favorite looking plane, but the way it flies and handles and, and does things, man, it's fantastic that then all of a sudden you see a jump in sales. Uh, definitely. You see that for every every aircraft has uh, have people who will buy it flight unseen. And we're always grateful for their trust that they can they can trust us, especially if it's a pre-order aircraft. Uh, they they know it's going to be good. They're going to they know it's going to meet our team standards, so that they're all in at at the outset. Mm-hmm. And then there are people who want to see it who maybe have never thought about it. But right. Once they see it, they love it. There are those people who um who do plan on getting it. They're just recovering from the previous release. Uh, there's there's all those different sort of factors. So for different reasons, different people. I think find themselves at different phases along that plot. Um, whereas one air, one model, that guy may be. Oh. On the double tap six weeks later mm-hmm. on another aircraft, it may, their roles may, may, may flip. So, um, that's always fun to sort of see, right. Is see who is, is see what people really want and who's going to stand in line and who's going to, uh, Wait, but I think all in all, uh, I think we're known for the slow play. For like, you don't have to get it if you don't want to. Right. We we like them. That's why we do them. Um, if 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 you want to jump first bird or you want to wait a couple months or a year or never, mm-hmm. you know, you can still be friends. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, uh, that's not why we do it anyway. So yeah, and seem to be having fun. With them. I think you made a really good point, and it struck me, too, because of the military, you called it the skin scheme, uh, you know, where you just have an Avanti that's just kind of a generic-looking uh, jet just a, with a paint scheme or whatever. Now you got something that really stands out. Is this something you're looking in the future now? They're like, hey, this is people seem to really like this. It's uh, an easier jet to fly. Maybe we're on to something. So maybe now you're looking into some other uh, jets that, you know, whether they be trainers or something that's, uh, got more of a military scheme instead of just that generic base. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really astute question. A few other people as well picked up on it because we, um, after the Avanti, Avanti was sort of our breakout 80 millimeter sport jet. We followed it up with, with the A4, uh, in the 80 millimeter series, very sort of a strictly scale, uh, aircraft that Delta wing makes, Slippery makes it fun to fly, but it isn't necessarily a four-point roller. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we then immediately uh, keyed in on the L39 because it combined those two characteristics that we saw that people really liked. You know, learning from our customers, learning what they want is is absolute key. So we saw that people wanted scale uh, fidelity and some some modicum of, of of history, of story behind what they're flying, but they also really, like you said, they, they wanted to know that it was something approachable, uh, easy to fly, and they could impress their friends and, and still get it down in one piece. Right. So that balance is really what we happen to We're sort of known for being tip-stalling uh, beasts, and so we we looked at the aircraft from a from an entirely different vantage point. We approach it saying, how can we make that fly like a sport jet? You know, mm-hmm. scale jet will never fly truly like an optimized um, sport fantasy scale jet, like say the Avanti, but you can get them pretty close. Yeah. And you can get them where they're, they're fast and they're efficient, but they can still cruise at lower throttle settings and still land, you know, like a butterfly. So, that's what we really tried to do with this bird. And, and yeah, absolutely. In future, that's always going to be informing our design decisions. Does does taking the, the Avanti as your base aircraft, your base design, does that eliminate some of the teething pain? Or, or do you still have to go through the whole, oh, the gear isn't working for X, Y, and Z reasons, and we still need to optimize yeah. that, in, that intake. So are you just giving, you're giving yourself, I guess you're just giving yourself advantage knowing off the shelf, I've got these parts and we know they work, but the rest of it is still pure R and D for you. Aside from the EDF and the service and the control hardware, all the math is new. So when I say we, we sort of take the idea of the Avanti meets an A4 and moves them together and you get an L39, that's really more just in principle, you know, in our heads, we're thinking, all right, we don't want it to just fly for two minutes. We, we want to try and double that. We want to reduce have this sort of long list of parameters as far as wing loading, uh, takeoff speed, takeoff distance, uh, landing speed, um, how it behaves in pattern. All of those types of things uh, are things that we can, we can attenuate to the shape of a scale aircraft. So that's where all that's the fun part because every aircraft is new. We really can't recycle actual mm. numbers. Mm-hmm. But Just we, experience. We can, yeah, experience. We can bring the same idea and the same approach um, to, to to what we're doing. Hmm. Interesting. That uh, is fascinating. Yeah, I'm also interested to know. Obviously, again, you guys have a very um, I don't know how to say it, maybe close knit group of, of these guys that buy these big expensive jets, you know, these 90 millimeters and, you know, they're really into the, the big expensive ones. But I'm curious to yeah. know if some of these guys have given you feedback on, say, like this L39, whether, um, they seen one at their field and flew it and goes, Hey, you know what? I, I know I like all these big expensive jets, but I got this in my hands and I was like, wow. This from a fun aspect, this was great just to throw a smaller battery in it, you know, chuck it in the air and just go have fun with it. Have you gotten any feedback from guys like that? Definitely. We we see the we see the spectrum and we're blessed of a, a really diverse customer family. So we've got guys who every eighty that I make, they're like, Where's the ninety? And every ninety we make, mm-hmm. there's another group that says, Where's the sixty four? Um, and every 64, 70, 80, or 90 I make, someone says, where's my bomber? Um, so 
we're, yeah. we're by Warbird. So, yeah. So we, we, we have that from all camps. We sort of expect that and have grown to just like it. Um, but, but definitely people increasingly, people increasingly, I don't think this is any surprise. People increasingly are sensitive to price and space. Right. Um, as we continue to grow that customer family, we do so recognizing that there's a lot of, a lot of our, a lot of our boys and girls whose homes are full of airplanes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, Andre. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of us listening are nodding our heads thinking, yeah, I think the wife would prefer if that wasn't as true a statement as it is. But, but a lot of our guys have a lot of big aircraft. So the 64s are really popular and our smaller aircraft sort of have a resurgence in reaction to the larger aircraft that we make. So there's this ebb and flow, this give and take. Mm-hmm. Uh, we try to satisfy everyone as much as we can. Gotcha. Actually, on those, do you, uh, you know, how how are, you know, like, do you have a ratio of sale figures as far as, you know, is there is there one plane so far t- for 2018 that's just performed like a gangbuster for you? Yeah, L-39. Wow. <laughs> really? Yeah. L-39 is just, uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's what you said earlier. It's, it's that balance. It's the price point. It's the approachability. It's the reputation now. Um, it, it just has gained momentum very quickly. So and, uh, we, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, we, we've just gained, it's gained momentum very quickly and we've got some sort of things coming on the horizon to, to push it even further. A lot of that response to what people have been talking about in, in the first few shipments. So, and all of that's uh, all of that's super exciting. I was actually going to ask you on the shipments. Did you bring in more than say some of your previous orders? Because I was, you we know, did. I was watching yeah. it. And it was like <laughs> it never, it never went into back order mm. as soon as the initials was yeah. sold. And I was kind of like, is this an indication it didn't sell so well? Or it was like, okay, no. The latter thought was that no, maybe they brought in a lot more than we were expecting. Yeah, we we really did. I mean, we try to learn with every new release. Yeah want to have too few um some we should have updated our algorithm i suppose i could say as far as what's coming in and what's what's coming out burn rate and also our projections not just how quickly it'd take to restock but when we could get more um and cross-reference that obviously with our with our european warehouse and what customers Which are sorry. saying all they're of that just getting theirs now it. aren't they too sorry yeah so. they're just getting theirs now so um all of that sort of just came together and we, we, we preferred to go big. I believed in, I believed in the aircraft as an aircraft and, and when our management team, we all sort of came together and agreed that, 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 uh, that this aircraft really would speak to what people have been asking for. And turns out we were right. So nice. Hmm. Nice to be right. <laughs> I'm wrong about twice a day. So, uh, you know, <laughs> nice to be right every once in a while. Right. Um, Alpha, I've had a question wrote down for quite a while. Actually, I think when we had you and Stuart on, we were talking about the L39, just kind of escaped and I didn't get it out. But since you got uh, this newer jet out, considered a trainer, might even be bringing a lot of uh, newer folks to the jets that, you know, have eyed them up. Like, for an instance, uh, Mike Coolins, he, he loves the jets. He's scared to death of them. We've slowly, you know, got him there, especially with the the little 64 millimeter series. He seems to really taken with those, but he's still, you know, hesitant to move up. Now, a a few of our people that we fly with, 
they are very heavy reliant on the Horizon technology with the AS3X or the Safe Select. Yeah. And some yeah. of them will not really even deviate or buy a plane unless it has Safe Select. Now, I also know you guys kind of have your own system, but I'm curious to know and get your opinion on why has no other manufacturer kind of jumped on board with this, uh, you know, different type of AS3 technology and putting it in their more uh, trainer planes? And is it something you guys have thought about, you know, for instance, with the L39, you know, say, hey, you know, maybe if we had some kind of uh, system, it would make it even easier with that, you know, bump up our market. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's that's a good question. Um, I'll say that I I don't know why other manufacturers haven't necessarily jumped in with uh, with stabilized RTF or BNF aircraft, as it were. I, w- I would, if I had to guess, it would be that there's a lot uh, that goes on behind the scenes to develop a a system that can act that can behave reliably and probably more importantly is it has a universality that you really, really need in, in putting this component into your five aircraft or six or 10 or 20 or 30 aircraft, however many you produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Horizon's got a lot of different products that they can fit this into and the development costs and all the other sort of, again, the math of uh-huh. business um, gets in the way, sort of, so to speak. I'd also say that for, for, for Freewing at least, uh, in their instance, more of their products sit in the intermediate, uh, advanced and expert range. Mm-hmm. Aside from the Pandora and a couple of sort of other smaller aircraft, there are really no, no overt trainer aircraft. Contrast that with, with a lineup like Horizon, which is really ideally suited for safe technologies because they've got cubs in every different sizes and they're really great T28, 28 in many different sizes. They've got a, a glider series. So when I look at their sort of product portfolio, and we, of course, are, are proud to sell their products as well, mm-hmm. more of their products um, are lighter, more more inexpensive, more suitable for beginners, and thus more conducive for safe. Now, when you get into what Freewing primarily makes, which is really big and fast jets, um, while... I say while we're saying the L39 is a really sort of good beginner jet, it, it is a 110 mile an hour aircraft. <laughs> and um, so, so there, there's a, there's context, right? Yeah. A beginner, a beginner 80 millimeter jet presupposes you can already take off and land uh, confidently a 70 millimeter EDF jet, uh, uh-huh. which presupposes that you've got at least a couple of those safe aircraft that you've, learned on and flown and, and pressed the button a couple of times and, and got used to sort of the nerves of operating the aircraft and, and hopefully the skill of repairing one before you really get to, before you even begin to approach the 80. So for, for Freewing, and we agree, that's really why we haven't pushed to have um, a ready-to-fly option for these jets from mm-hmm. the 80s or 90s because mm-hmm. my fear is we invite people who aren't yet ready, ready for it. And again, we don't need... It's a slow sell. We don't need to push these things down down people's uh, thumbs if they're not ready for them. We just say we've got a lot of great cubs. <laughs> They've got the buttons. Uh, we do see people moving between safe. They'll sort of graduate, so to speak, into stabilized receivers mm-hmm. uh, from many brands are out there. They'll 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 sort of 
get used to that concept. And of course, those require a little more, a uh, little more work on the user's part, which I think is a good thing. It's part of your education. And mm-hmm. then they're able to, to move, migrate both the skill set and the skill set in operating the aircraft and their skill set in setting up that stabilized receiver or, or uh, gyro or migrate both of those skill sets into operating a big jet. So yeah. safety first. Right. That's probably why. Yeah. Now, Andre, I got a question for you because I don't know if we really brought this up. Uh, Steven makes a good point here on Facebook Live about the Flex Innovations Aura system. Yeah. Now, you have yeah. the Flex Jet, and obviously yeah. <laughs> you you have flown it and had a, a few close calls with it. But I guess my question is, did you notice that system, you know, comparing it to flying some of the other jets? Do you think it helped you out? Because I, I know you're not a big fan of the AS3X, and you, you don't really like it that well for some reason, even, even though I do. You have your own feelings with it. So... I'm interested in it to know about the flex jet. If you feel it flew different or better, or what was yeah, your thoughts? It, it did, and you can really see it on some of the onboards where that jet is super stable and super reliable, um, and it's uh, it definitely smooths it out. I would like to try the jet with it off, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, and and, uh, and just see if that goes. But at the rate we're going, I think my jets are grounded for the season because I don't see this. I don't see this winter weather going away. Leave the gear down. The yeah, yeah. Just yeah, don't just retract the, the gear rack. with the skis on. <laughs> but the Aurora is it, it, it is neat. Um, the 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 biggest thing like and, and some other people like fr sky i haven't tried the 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 six uh the s6 i have i've been told it's like it can be a little cumbersome to program and uh but i haven't played with that the aurora was neat i did have to use my pc which i'm like come on you know like uh-huh. in this day and age it should be an yeah. app that i can run off my phone my laptop my mac anything i right. don't care if i've got to use the chrome browser you know but it shouldn't be dedicated to a single platform right i that's the only reason i have a Windows PC sitting beside me over here, and that's because there are every every odd app that this doesn't want to go. My gimbal controls and stuff like this, but uh, you know it, it went in, and you know out of the box, you just let it set up. You do your firmware on it, and and go. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it, I think it makes the plane fly really reliable. I'm looking forward to when I can um, I go into the advanced mode and and, and use the um, use the elevator servos independently. So uh-huh. you know. It's, uh, you know, but I'll, I'll work my way to that. Yeah, next oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like. It flies great both ways. The yeah, well, this is it. It's. Uh, it, together. It, it, there was one comment here of Justin Lang uh, said he, he got back into. Um, or La, I should say. Uh, he, he got back into flying after 18 years and went straight to the 90 millimeter T45, which is a beautiful plane. I almost Ooh. bought one used yeah. here, you know? But I just said, yeah, you know, and it, it's funny. I, I still, I've got that big A A10 of mine, and I haven't flown it because I've been dealing with crosswind and really windy conditions last weekend. You know, like it was so windy that you know there's a sea duck in pieces behind me. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's just that's just the way the weather goes into the fall. So you know, that airplane will sit very patiently, and the next year, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll. I'll crack open a couple of 6S packs or no, not crack open. Let's not use that. No, term. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I will be flying. You know, the goal is to fly what I got next year before I go in. But, uh, you know, now, Justin Lump, he brings up a good point. Um, it's important, I think, to meet the customer where they're at, right? We've got guys yeah. who are coming yeah. to the hobby from, they've been gone for 10, 15, 20 years. And, 
And I actually know people who've come to us from 20, people who've come to us from 10. And obviously those are very, very different times, 20 years ago and then 10 years ago, even five years ago. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So that's sort of fun, right? We, we always, we always let people know that it's sort of our job to anticipate and try and provide something, provide information and, and make combat decisions that we think uh, suit the majority. But there's always going to be that guy who's, who's coming back from a 20 year <clears throat> sabbatical and his thumbs are fresh and he jumps right into that goshawk and he's operating, you know, that's, that's, that's sort of awesome. I don't think I really could do that. But the, <laughs> there are also those people like you, like you mentioned who are coming absolute brand new and, and it's not about a T 45. It's about that awesome little UMX cub, you know, that, yeah. um, but meeting the customer where they're at and, and getting, getting some, make them happy, I think, is one of the and great th- things about the hobby these days. And I'll add to that, uh, the one thing that we absolutely love about your two, you know, your 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 free wing and, and flight line brand is the passion behind um you know the, the models and everything. So so yes, you're meeting those technical requirements and you can give those 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 stages in evolution that we always talk about people going through. But there's also that passion, you know, I'm coming back after flying twenty years and I really love that jet because I flew X or someone I know flew that. Actually and I'll and I'll tell it that uh, I don't know if I told the A ten story about the other day, Chris, did I last week? No, uh uh-uh. uh so I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to find out if the A10 will fit into the back the trunk of the car. Mm-hmm. Can you guess the answer to that question? No, I'd say probably Absolutely, not. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, no, gonna come up. Anyhow, I'm there and I'm like I'm I'm wrestling this thing. It's a 1500 mil big giant aircraft. It's I, I can't imagine the free wing A10. <laughs> so I'm, I've got this thing and I'm flipping it around and the guy's out walking his dog and he actually stopped me later in the day and said, hey, I'm ex-Canadian Air Force pilot. My buddy did an exchange with the US and flew one. And I, oh, wow. you know, and we, we had a whole conversation about, you know, the models available for, for the A-10 line. And, you know, and so I said, yeah, well, I know the four, there are four basic ones that are available. And then apparently I've, I've done further, I've been told of further details that there are a ton of other people who may manufacture even larger a10s and i'm like that's crazy wow what did what did he think of it i mean looking you know realizing it was foam and you know had, well, this is it yeah. he's like i've never seen one you know i've always wanted one you know just just even just to have the model right mm-hmm. and i'm like yeah there are smaller ones if that's what you're looking for and he just mm-hmm. you know where do you fly and all this stuff so it's uh, it, it's kind of fun to uh, it's kind of fun to have that conversation with someone who's who had no idea that the particular you know that that existed. Yeah, and, you know, that's always exciting, like, right? They're like, "What is that? Does it yeah. fly?" Like, it actually, oh yeah, yeah. It flies all right. No. Yeah. My, my neighbors, my neighbors always have a good chuckle when I come out of the, you know, and, and my uh, JP, my next door neighbor always comes and says, your planes are uh, getting progressively bigger because I've come out with the, G- <laughs> you know, Tundra, uh, you know, the Tundra GT and, uh, and then I've come out with, you know, the, the flex jet one day and now it's the A-10 and he just sits there and shakes his head, you know, mm-hmm. just like my wife shakes her head. Yeah. yeah big jets. Big jets, big jets. Um... Not to change the subject a little bit, but I, I have had this question on my list also, and I don't think I've asked you about this, Alpha. And, of course, uh, Justin Law makes another really good point. You know, 18 years ago, um, 
The performance obviously would have cost thousands of dollars per aircraft, you know, shipped to your door now for three or $400, you know, that's incredible, you know, and for him probably to get back in the hobby with the, all the new technology and, and to be able to pick up a 90 millimeter free wing jet and just, t- you know, take right off and go that that's got to say something for, you know, how this hobby has progressed in the last 18 years. Um, Alpha, my question is too. We were on the uh, the subject of AS3X. I'm curious to know your opinion of. I don't think we've really covered this with you before, and we have with some other um, developers. But the UMX series again. That's that's a series that Horizon seems to really have that market covered. Uh, back in the day, we yeah. were all fascinated when you know these small micro little airplanes come out that we could fly in our front yard or we could fly indoors in the wintertime. And we probably all remember the first ones that came out were like we were amazed because they were so little, but that oh man, they were terrible at flying. And through you know four, five, six years now, Horizons really I think figured out as far as the size. Now most of them have stepped up to the two cell uh, brushless motors, and mm-hmm. you know they've got the the right size down to where they fly very well. But again, why hasn't any of these other manufacturers, do you think, hopped on board and got in with this ultra micro stuff? You know, it just seems like it's horizon only. Does it refer back to the the AS3 technology? Because honestly, if anybody has flown these before they had it, it was fun and entertaining. But again, they flew kind of like crap. And now with the new technology and the AS3X and the in the Ultra Micro Horizon planes, it's a world difference. And I think uh, Andre can attest to that. Uh, you know, he's got a couple Ultra Micros now, and I think you actually like the AS3X in those. Um, so yeah. anyway, yeah, I love those little yeah, things. Yeah. What do you think about I mean, that? I would guess, um, again, speculation, but, um, we sell a lot of the UMX product, obviously from horizon and it's probably just because they're really, really good. Um, WL toys, XK innovations. We also sell some of their product and they have a few of the, what you can classify as micros. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not UMX, UMX being that specific horizon term, but we, we've got a few diamonds, got one or two. They have these micro airplane categories. Uh, in the United States, I'd say horizon is probably the most well known, followed by WL toys and XK innovations. Um, but at least here in China, most of most RC aircraft, more certainly in the foam category, they're sub 800 millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're the smaller, cheaper, lighter, more accessible ones. So maybe it's demographic, maybe it's audience. Uh, maybe it's again, accessibility when you, when you're in hobby stores and that's where, that's where people are taking their sons and daughters, um, yeah, after on, on, on any given weekend, the likelihood they run into a horizon UMX is, is just exponentially higher than it would be something that you're going to get online only from from a smaller manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen a few different ones from different, different suppliers. And again, as I'm fond of saying, we sell what, what we believe in and, and, and the UMX ones that we sell, we love. I mean, uh-huh. if anyone doesn't know what we're talking about, by the way, for your <laughs> listeners, just Google UMX pits and buy one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or walk into your local hobby store, go get a UMX pit. And, you know, doesn't matter if you just landed that F-14 after doing 100 miles an hour, the champ will still put a smile 
Yes. At least it does to me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right. And it, it, it's things like we, we all know what our favorite plane for 2017 was. Yeah. So actually, uh, I, it was a question I just wrote on the, on the chat group here for the, um, have you test flown the e-flight Viper? Oh yeah, we have. Yeah. Yeah. And the is 70 that, mil Viper. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> we all know its origins, but we know, you know, it's nice to see Horizon put their spin on it. Uh, is that something that you guys will consider, uh, you know, putting into your I store like, or does that just like kind of color. rub against <laughs> your team? Sorry. Um, I like the color actually. Yeah. Uh, are we going to sell it? I, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't think we're not going to, but I actually, <laughs> um, I, I don't make those decisions. So. Oh, <laughs> um, it always depends. It depends on what customers are. It depends on, yeah. on a variety of things. It depends how much customers are asking us for it. Mm-hmm. And, and part of that, you, you want to make sure you're not speaking to yourselves because obviously a lot of our core customer base, um, love us for our, for our core brands. Um, so they may not necessarily be, be looking uh, for for an FMS slash uh, Horizon uh, Viper, but if the wider if our wider audience does, yeah, we'd really like you guys to carry and support that aircraft. Then we go and we look at yeah. the math again as far as of those types of things. Um, that makes sense. I mean, we haven't sold yet. Doesn't mean that we're never going to sell it. Mm-hmm. I think anyone listening who's openly wondering that question, that's key. Just because something isn't on the website today doesn't mean we've decided that we're never going to sell it ever. It just, just means yeah. we're sort of waiting a little longer to see if we can get that data where mm-hmm. we can be more sure that it's something our customers want. Besides, but, we'd all, we all know we'd buy a Hawk instead of a Viper, right? <laughs> a Hawk too, unless you like blue, then <laughs> I really, yeah, I really like their, I like their blue true. and yellow. Between the blue and yellow of Viper, you got that red Hawk. You have the gray yeah. version. A few different options in there. Lots of so, options. I think I think these days as a hobby, we're sort of spoiled for choice, which, uh, again, may be strange for someone in my position to say, but I think that's a really, really good thing. Oh, we, we love we love variety. Speaking of gray, um, have you had a lot of requests? I know you're, you're going to be rolling out your, your special edition F4, but on the L39, yeah. were you getting any requests for just a gray scheme or is this one just super? Like, I mean, we're seeing tons and tons of specialized paint jobs <laughs> already. It's paint. like, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we, with every aircraft, we always have, and can you make another color? Um, with the L39, it's been equally diffuse, sort of like the MiG-21. There are so many different color schemes, which is sort of, it reinforces our case in point. There are so many different ones. Everyone has a favorite, and there's really very little overlap. Um, what most people end up doing is, the A4 was another great example. They'll look at it. People, again, who love it, they, they jump in line. People who don't think about it, they're like, I really wish I could get a Blue Angels or a or a camouflage version. But increasingly, after I don't know a couple weeks or a month or so, there there's that second wave of people who say, I'm just going to paint it. I mean, yeah. Cali, Cali yeah. Graphics, yeah. she's the best. I mean, why not uh, why not use a really great resource we have there in the United States um, to support small business and get aircraft that we actually want. So, so do we have another scheme plan? Do we plan to make a gray one, um, a gray L39? Not right now. I mean, as you said, Andre, 
most people by now, it's been a, a month or so. Most people have just said, I'm going to paint it. And it's fun. we got a video that went out. Enough people have an airbrush or, or, or paint brushes or what have you. And, um, and yeah. We've, uh, we just got a customer, sorry, a question from Justin. He says, <laughs> what about 3D printed add-ons for the F4, like a long nose F4E uh, being offered new new weapon sets, ham, you know, harm missiles, wild weasels, you know, like I guess your imagination yeah. could just run wild. You know, you guys could, you know, if you've got a couple of designers who are key in three D printing and three D design, you know, it's just you could have yeah. just like the, the mod, like the the hobby has changed within, like you said, within the I, I wouldn't even say within the last five years. The you know the hobby has just morphed into this monster that that you you know you can have anything mm-hmm. you want you just have to put the time and energy yeah. into it. Right. Yeah, Justin. Thanks for continuing to listen to to us rambling over here. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but to answer your question, um, we've we've got a few different things for the F four. Thinking off the top of my head, we've we have a few different three D pups as we call them or three D printed uh, upgrade part sets, 3D pup sets for the F4. Do we have a weasel or the later or the, the RF version or, or uh, long nose? Uh, not currently. Um, I think I did post on Hobby Squawk that we sort of, the ideas we're going to work with uh, Chris over at the RC Geek, the RCGeek.com. Check him out yeah. as well. Uh, he's really, one of, one of, I think, one of the pioneers of 3D printing in, in RC. And uh, between working with him and um, and a couple of other people, we've got ideas to make uh, nose cones and extended versions. I'll say that where we can, we are throughout this year, started with the B-24 uh, a year ago, every new aircraft and every re-release and repaint we've released this year has come with some sort of 3D pup option. That's us, frankly, trying to test the market and gauge actual appetite. Cause like you said, we can do everything these days if we want them. Um, but are there enough people who actually, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's our, it's our ROI. So Justin, I'd say to you, if there's something specific that you want, uh, let us know. Hobby Squawk is the best way to engage our people or just give us a call, uh, call in at motionrc.com and say, I'd like this. Um, it may sound trite but it's actually true every request for something makes it onto a list that is accumulated and eventually reaches my desk so we we want people to know that uh, if there's something out there that they really want let us know and 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 we will listen speaking of the recent job recent changes there uh how how is the community taken i know you did a lot of work with the was it the l39 that got the revised cockpit so it doesn't bubble yeah, yeah. And that how is that going? <laughs> uh, that was a good decision. That that one's been well received. It's one of those things where it, it might not seem revolutionary. It sort of seems obvious. Why they don't do it sooner? Um, to to an on to an to an onlooker, they may say, "What's the big deal?" But that's sort of one of those innovations that I actually like. It doesn't always need to be uh, a, a swing wing F fourteen. Sometimes something as simple as let's break out another mold and sheath the cockpit in plastic to resist alligatoring. Um, mm. It's a functional, it's a, it's, it's functional. I think it, it, 
guys, your RC aircraft that you buy from us, they're developed by RC guys. <laughs> and they're it's sort of that, we know what you want because we want it to. The L-39 was really the best time to do that because it has such a spacious cockpit. I mean, Justin, you've got a T-45. Uh, they're very similar in size, as, you, as you've probably seen in my pictures I posted on Hobby Squawk. But those canopies are both very large. And imagine if your T-45 canopy or cockpit rather was completely sheathed in plastic. Yeah, that's sort of, it would have been nice. Right. Um, so we, we like that people like that idea. We've got a couple of other small, I classify them as tweaks. Yeah. A few other tweaks that people are going to see over the next few months with our, with our upcoming aircraft that again, try to put our, our stamp on what we're doing. And, and hopefully people just realize it's practical and, uh, it's not costing them. So why not? Uh, next switching gears, I guess let's, uh, I, I got some, some good technical questions for you guys because, yeah. um, you know, your, your lineup is very Warbird based, like, but you don't really have a high wing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So what would you like? Well, well, no, what would, what would you envision? Would you still try like, you know, the flight line install? It's a lot of it's military and everything. Would you still try and find that one session was like a Bronco, a twin Bronco, which would just be amazing. Um, but then, then you have to go down that line of, uh, you know, securing the brand rights and so on. Um, would you go with a civilian pattern, something like a sport flyer? Or would you try and find something that has a little military history, you know, and, and have a little fun with that? Honestly, I always, I always try and split the difference. Um, try and, try and do both. Um, I'll say that we're aware of certain opportunities in our portfolio. Um, some may say gaps, I say opportunities. There's also the balance, just, just to be completely fair. We don't necessarily want to make what's already out there. We can, we, we offer a lot of great high wings and there are a lot of great high wings on the market right now. Um, if and until we think we can, we can bring something that innovates, uh, and that would be truly unique, uh, and, and offer something worthy uh, of entering a, a very congested market category. <laughs> if and until that happens, we're not going to do it. It, it. It's easy to sort of dominate in, in 80 millimeter EDF, just because we invented the 80 millimeter category. So that's sort of, that's our sandbox, so to speak. Mm. Um, you know, credit where credit is due. I mean, there's a, the, the Duraflight Tundra, I have two. I mean, that's a great aircraft. And for that category, it's sort of king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to make a, a, a Tundra. <laughs> gotcha. Um, we're we're, we're, we're going to make one if and when we think that we can, we can add to that experience. And, you know, this sort of gets back to sort of our overriding mentality, which is not just, we're not out just to make everything, just to make everything. We would like to think this is a, I know, right? <laughs> we can all go cry in our cereal. Um, we're not just trying to make everything for the sake of making everything. If there's a good example of something that's in the market, let that ride. You know, there's, there's a lot of other things that we can try. Um, the OV 10, that's it's funny. You mentioned that one. That's a, uh, that's a popularly requested aircraft. Hmm. Yeah, it gets in there with your twins, you know. And, yeah. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. You could probably pick any kind of, you know, like, you know, from, well, I guess from, uh, was it not? You know, you, you've got your, your Pilatus and our, uh, you got, there's so many options, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I like, 
I like that answer. I mean, we're not going to develop something just for the sake of competing with a marketplace that's already saturated. But, but at the same time, when 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 your uh, when your customers are going, you know, banging at your door, going, "We will yeah. buy," you know, like that that mm-hmm. shut up, take my money kind of, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. how can you resist? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's, uh, yeah. it's a it's a you know what? It's a good problem to have, right? And it, it is that a good it, problem to have. The other thing, too, speaking of Tundra, you may or may not have somebody on your team that has a lot of experience with the Tundra and maybe some development on, on planes like that. <laughs> That's true. I may have the guy who sort of developed that aircraft. Yeah. So Tundra Daddy. <laughs> Tundra Daddy. Yeah, we'll have to call him that next time we get up. We'll have to call him that the next time. Tundra yeah. Daddy. That is yeah, funny. because what, what wasn't it? It was wasn't Stuart, I believe, that had the fun cub in his wedding photos. Now that is dedication, right there. That that is dedication, brother. That, that <laughs> um, so 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 yeah, that's that's sort of our that's sort of our take on anything. Um, Ob ten, do people really want it? Are they saying, as you said, Andre? You know, just take my money. They're they're more than. Uh, that's a that's a popularly requested aircraft. So are we gonna do something about that? Just have to wait and see. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you, Alfie. We're, we've been talking from anything from ninety millimeters down to sixty four millimeters with everything in between, ultra micros. I'm curious to know. Yeah. And again, I don't. I'm not looking for numbers or anything like that. But I, I'm just maybe comparing this because. My most of my knowledge is in the motorcycle industry. I know certain bikes, you know, take certain amount of research and development, and when they put them out on the market, certain bikes make more money as far as profit mm-hmm. on initial cost. So, in the RC hobby department, is there a specific plane, whether it be the smaller ones or maybe something in the ninety miller? What planes generally make? Um, I'm not talking about overall sales. I'm talking in just general profit, uh, as far as research and development and what the time you have to put in and the manufacturing yeah. process, everything. What, what, you know, in that range makes, you know, more money for you guys? Um, the being a very price sensitive hobby, uh, the cheaper always sells more. Cheaper mm-hmm. and simpler. Simpler mm-hmm. to your question. Simpler is going to be a uh, simpler aircraft is going to be simpler to develop, which means lower cost mm-hmm. on, on on our side of the pond. Um, and obviously, smaller, lighter, less complex, etc., makes it cheaper on the customer's side of the pond. Mm-hmm. And um, so, it's all about a numbers game. People are far more likely to jump into a ninety-nine dollar F one hundred five, for example than they are that $500 A10. Right. Um, certainly at the outset. So, and that's sort of, for us, that's sort of across the board. It doesn't matter the brand. It doesn't matter the type of aircraft. Uh, there's a small cub or a big cub. The small cub is always going to sell more readily. If it's a small jet or a big jet, it's always the smaller jet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just, it, it, Price. It just comes down to price, right? So, with the worst, we are sort of known for for taking these big sort of unicorn projects, F fourteen, massive A ten, and those sorts of things. And those are fun. Um, we we do it for 
for a variety of reasons because we can and we think we can do it well. And there are there is a subset of the market of people who really want those types of things. But we're under no delusion that um, it's that UMX champ. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, as many as people say, I want that A10. I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves. Most people are they're they're going to buy they're going to buy something that's a hundred dollars. Yes, um, which is fine. We we we're we're mindful of that as we sort of reach into these really big passion projects. Um, that that's not really what keeps the lights on. Mm-hmm. Um, it, people happy gives them a great goal on uh, on your hundred dollar no your hundred dollar scheme whatever do you guys you know is there something special coming up for christmas that's going to be in that bracket that you know all the guys could put on their list and say here honey buy me this yeah because when the when the wife sees a hundred dollar plane versus a five hundred dollar plane she's going to lean more towards the hundred dollar plane let's do that um (laughs) I, I answered a, a very similar question like that on Holly Squad last week, and I'll, I suppose for consistency, I'll give the same answer, which was, um, I'll answer that question with a question. Have we ever missed Christmas? Ah. I don't know. We've only, we've only really been, you know, talking, <laughs> conversing, you know, for the last couple of months, actually. And then, then on, on the whole $100 thing, have you given any gestation time to, you know, your $100 flight line equivalent to your, your free wing jet? Yeah. Have we ever missed Christmas? I don't think we've ever missed Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So he's being vague, folks, which means he's got some stuff up his sleeves, which we always love. <laughs> yeah, if you guys saw what I'm looking at right now. You'd, you'd eat your shorts. Oh, yes. the, um, it, the, the challenge, in all honesty, comes back down to categories and options. Um, yeah. yeah. Like we said, we've, from UMX to the big jets and everything in between, between singles and twins and high wings and low wings and smaller EDFs and larger EDFs, 3S, 4S, 6S. I mean, we've got about about 18 or so different categories of aircraft. Um, and each of those have specific markets. And I know the names of those guys who are going to stand in line for each one of those. And they're, and they're different. Um, we can't do 18 new products for Christmas. (laughs) We have to sort of pick and choose. Um, some of the people waiting on a specific category are, are, going to be happy. Some of them are probably going to need to wait a little while, but the good news is that's really nothing new. If you look at us every 18 months or so, we sort of hit about 10 or 12 of those categories and everything's on this nice cycle. So to your question, Andre, about, uh, we did the 64 millimeter jets. They're wildly successful. Are we making more? Absolutely. Um, the when's and the, what are they? That's, that's what we leave. That's that's what we leave for speculation, but are we making (laughs) another big jet? Like the F4, you know, absolutely. Are we making another 80 millimeter like the L39 to follow up with it? You know, most, most definitely. (laughs) Big smile on my face. So someone, someone asked about a DLG and I'm like, well, you never know, but that's just a, that's an odd market for you guys to suddenly say, yeah, we're going to dip our toe in it, I guess. Yeah. I, it's funny. I don't know who mentioned that, but I'm a big, big DLG flyer. And um, it's a good workout. Yes, for <laughs> sure. Especially we can't fly them as well as I'd like to. So I, I find myself walking to them every 30 seconds and throwing it again. But um, 
as as he probably is aware, DLGs if done well. I'm not talking like the smaller sort of 1100-ish uh, sizes, but a real a, a proper DLG. You're in the 1.4, and and and, and uh, category. And again, maybe it's the DLG snob in me. For them to be done well, they need to be laid up in bagged wings, which is like you said, a totally different animal from what we do. Um, I can't really m- match handmade check quality. <laughs> and, uh, and what some of those guys do at soaringusa.com, your listeners, check them out if you want to build up your right arm. Um, it's really, really beautiful. And that's, again, we're not out to make every single category where there are dominant players and where they offer great products. You know, let them run. Right. Uh, real quick, just uh, we are experiencing some slow internet speeds here at the house. So uh, if uh, Facebook Live or whatever is uh, a little janky, that's what's going on. You never know what the internet's going to be doing, but it has been really slow here this morning. So if you guys are getting a slow feed or, or it's uh, cutting in and out, that's what's going on here uh, in Ohio. That cold weather. Yeah, it must be the cold weather. I'd like to know. What are you guys flying the cold weather? Because in China, it doesn't really get cold. <laughs> Go ahead, Andre. Uh, well, I've got a slew of planes to uh, anything I can slap skis on nicely. Anything I can slap skis on and then wear my transmitter mitt, uh, mm-hmm. you know, seems to step up to the forefront. So you're going to have things like my high wings. Uh, I still, I still will fly my uh, my old but trusty E Flight uh, um, Brave Knight uh, Pawnee, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a few others that I will try. Um, it's Do you have the Polaris? No, I don't, and that, it, that would probably be wicked. And you know, we also know um, uh, Fly Zone just came out with that Turbo Beaver, which I'm trying to push Chris to buy so we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, do you it, know? Chris. Uh, yeah, you know, I like a, what they did with it. They, they, it, it looked they, to us like they just—it's just a repaint, and they threw a new nose on it. Yeah, to me, it completely changed the look of the aircraft. Absolutely, and, uh, yep. it looks like a lot of fun. Yep, but, absolutely. Those are where we go. Anything I can run skis with, uh, you know, and and just stay comfortable with. It's uh, you know, winter winter flying is a whole it's a whole different beast, you know. And we've we've talked about where you know you reduce reduce your expectations. Don't do anything silly. Like don't try and fly your EFX racer, or your yeah, you know, your E Flight nine hundred because you may take off and say this is great, and then go to land and realize your thumbs don't work anymore, mm-hmm. and you know, I, <laughs> yeah. Did that, and I gave myself. It's funny. That was the first time I worked outside. You know, the majority of my professional career, and that was the first time I'd given myself frostbite. And I was like, "Oh, this is stupid." So after that, it was just you know, <laughs> no. Um, it's it's kind of funny and and sad at the same time because you know the the EDFs they just all go away and they don't come back out until spring. And I'm like, really, we're, yeah. we're missing we're missing the winter EDF. And I've had a couple that I've goofed around with, but. It's one of those things where you know you got to be able to break the traction of the snowfield and, and get the thing off the ground, right? Mm-hmm. So. right? It'd basically be a sea dart. I mean, a sea dart is sort of what a Polaris is. I mean, it's a jet-powered delta wing that was designed yep. to float. So that yep. would probably get off of now. Yeah. I would do it. Yeah, I mean, I and, you know, I, I made a couple one year, but again, it's uh, you know, you want something that you don't have to throw by hand. It's yeah. got more of its 
Or if it's really tight, it's got to be really tiny and stable to give you a second to put your hand back into your transmitter bit. Mm. I've I've done a few of those, and it's you know you bump the mitt, and all of a oh, sudden you yeah. close the throttle yeah. off, or you've got full throttle, and you're yeah. trying to control yeah. this thing with a hand. Yeah, yeah, oh. right. Once you once you decide that uh, once you commit to the transmitter bit, you'd say, okay, this this airplane has got to be able to go on its own. So like the wings go away, you know, mm-hmm. it's just ah, oh. winters are different type flying. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I'm looking at everything I'd, I, I'd fly, and it's, you know, you want something that's floaty because, or on uh, skis or, or, or um, floats because you get into the ruts, and ah, oh, there's so many things. So a lot of airplanes actually eliminate themselves from being winter flyable just because of their designs and, and the short landing gear stacks and stuff. So that yeah. Sea Duck would have been a great for the winter. Oh, oh it yeah. was. It was a phenomenal winter airplane. It's just kind of, you know, it met, uh, it met its uh, timely, you know. <laughs> wow. It was awesome. It. it was an awesome crash. I didn't do it, so. <laughs> yeah. At least it died well. Oh, right. this is it, and it, the parts will go on to the. I've got the uh, the the flight test legend plane, so that's another twin prop, which the wing will come off and everything. The Sea Duck is a phenomenal plane, but it's a storage hog, so it's it, it probably takes up as much room as like the A ten or something. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it is a big bird. And also, too, to answer your question, because we were just talking about this last weekend, for some weird reason, the original Fly Zone Beaver is my go-to plane in the winter. It's, matter of fact, now, since I got a, lots of other planes, the skis stay on that thing 24-7. It basically only gets flown in the winter. And we were trying to figure out why. There's something about that plane. It never did anything super well, but it just flew like a kind of a big, heavy, high-wing plane. And the nice thing about it back in the day when they first come out, it had lights all around it, but not only the lights, it had the strobes and the landing lights. And we literally, we have photos and video of it, and I haven't posted anything for quite a while. I could probably do that again. Literally waited till we had a, a complete, almost whiteout snowstorm before we would take those planes out and fly them. <laughs> and it's interesting to see now with the new Turbo Beaver, they upgraded the motor on it because there were a lot of times... We were full throttle with the uh, Fly Zone regular Beaver, and we weren't going anywhere. And sometimes we were going backwards, chasing the plane, trying to get it down on the ground because, of, you know, 35 and 40 mile an hour winds, it wasn't going anywhere. Uh, so we've definitely had a lot, a lot of fun with that plane. And I'm, I'm interested to see uh, what, you know, what this Turbo Beaver can do with the bigger, bigger motor in it. It's out of stock for a while, though, right? Uh, I don't I know. I haven't on- looked. Yeah, I was reading on Squawk. Some of the guys jumped on it, and, and it must have been two days later. They said it had been backordered until January or so, but that's a good sign. Uh-huh. I mean, hopefully they get more in, and, and like you said, it's got to be a great winter flyer. Yeah. The price, and it was uh, yeah. earlier this week, I put in, you know, would you buy the UMX Cirrus in red, which looks great, or for $20 more, would you order <sighs> – a beaver and that's kind of that's a that's you know it all i guess it depends on what your flying season's going to look like for the rest of the year but i i, I that price point you get a receiver right. with as3x and everything and now it's back ordered till march that's wow. a little extreme yeah no kidding was a little- till march oh wow <laughs> 
Maybe we shouldn't have. I mean, that's good news. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have talked about it so much last week. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we pick a plane and go. You know, and it's funny because I I posted. I haven't received any comments back, but I've been, you know, been reminding people that you know we're going to be coming up and having to pick our you know RC after hours plane of 2018, Mm. and uh, you know we last year's vote was kind of unanimous, so it's going to be interesting. I guess we'll wait till December Mm -hmm. to really make that decision. But uh, and we'll get everybody in. Mike should be done his 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 random animal hunting for this. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, that's funny. Well, with whoever decides is listening, give these guys a, a turbo beaver. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah, we no would kidding. love love to get it out there because uh, the first one was just amazing. Um, real Dear quick, Mister Great Plane. Yeah, exactly. Um, real quick, I wanted to jump back uh, to the um, sixty-four millimeter series question popped into my head on a plane like that we were talking about price from my last question uh of you know what what sells or what makes you guys more money you know when you come out with a 64 millimeter series and they were only 100 bucks i'm like holy cow these guys can't be making any money on on a plane that's this well detailed flies this well with everything in it you know, when I think a, a champ almost costs $99, you know, for what you're getting. But I'm curious to know something like the the 64 millimeter series. Has there been a point where, you know, you're seeing how popular they were? Like maybe we were, were charging a little too less for this plane or was there a point where, you know, maybe you thought oh, we should have added another $20 onto it or anything like that? Are you guys just really happy with that $100 price point? with it well if you want to send me 20 bucks brother go right ahead (laughs) (laughs) it just Um, seems it just it's a a fair question it's a good one actually and and an astute one um how would i answer that you you know we try to we, we create lanes and we try and stick within them right um our 80 millimeters it's got to be 299 to 329. It has to stay there. Mm-hmm. Uh, our super scales, 499, really no larger. Uh, we really try to design for certain price points, the, the 64s. We really wanted to say that's a, that's, it's a hundred bucks. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and yeah, some of them, some of them cost more to develop than others. And uh, you just sort of average that out and hope you make it back eventually. Um, <laughs> the shortest answer is how we make money on each of these things. We don't. <laughs> no one makes money in this. <laughs> it's like a it's, a, it's an inside joke that we've we've said publicly many times. I mean, as cliche as it sounds, this this business is not. Uh, we certainly, emotional RC, aren't aren't in this business with the idea that uh, we're going to go put Ferraris in the garage. Yeah. Um, right. You know, we, we try, we think, would, would an aircraft at 109 sell probably just as well at 99? Maybe, mm-hmm. but, but, but probably not as well. And we'd rather just shoot for simplicity and make them all 99 uh-huh. and capture that as well. You know, just if we can make it a little easier for the customer, why not? Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think what we've learned from our customer family over the past several years is that they appreciate the consistency. Mm-hmm. Um, they know that if they get wind that a 90 is coming out or a 64 is coming out or a 70, they get a pretty good idea of what that price is going to be. 
they have a pretty good idea of what to expect. If you look at our 70s, they're mostly pretty darn similar and accessible. Again, it gets back to the idea of having a curated portfolio of products that sort of say something. You can graduate from one to the other. They're distinct enough where it's worth owning different ones, and yet they're similar enough in price and expectation where you can buy sort of any one and, and fly them just fine. So all of that, to answer your question, comes back towards how do we organize uh, those categories within price. Um, so as you can tell, we, we think a lot about it. And, and we try to err on simplicity for the customer's sake. Um, the profit margin and what we're going to make on any given product, frankly, it's, it's, it's really not the first, second, or third concern. Yeah, and that's why I was kind of asking the question before about you know if more different planes make more money. Because I was wondering, I, again, I still don't see how you guys make money on this hundred dollar sixty four millimeter series. So I was wondering, well, does a company put out something like that where you know we're not making that much money on this product, but we know if we get this product out in people's hands and they start flying the jets and you know they're very addicting uh, and like okay yeah. and now we're going to move up to the you know this series jets. Well, okay now. Now we know that they're, we got them hooked. So on this series of jets, we're making, you know, $50 more per plane or whatever. That's why I was kind of leading into that other question. I was you're, curious. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I mean, I think in any consumer product industry, Chris, there's, there's always going to be lead loss products. There's always those, those products where, you know, you're paying it forward. You're seeding the market. There's, you're not going to make anything on, on that iPhone 5S whatever, <laughs> or 5C. Uh-huh. Um, but someone will fall in love with, with iOS and they'll Ex- buy the iPhone. Exactly. I don't know what the whole example is, but you know, you yeah. get the idea. So uh, I think we and everyone do that as well. They, they If you can relinquish the, the fantasy that you're going to put a Ferrari in the garage with every new L39 you release, um, <laughs> then it becomes much easier to make your decisions based on two priorities, serving the customer by growing the company sustainably. Mm-hmm. Those two things go hand in hand. I think hope for any of your listeners who don't sort of know motion RC from Adam would, could appreciate at least the, uh, that sentiment that we see this as a relationship and every any question you'd ever ask me about price or product selection or development or what have you, it's always going to come back to does it serve the customer and does it allow us to grow sustainably? Because if it does, if it, if it allows us to grow sustainably, then we're able to serve the customer. And if we're able to serve the customer, we're, we're able to grow smartly and sustainably. So they really go hand in hand or they're interlinked in that way. So that mm-hmm. informs everything which is fun. Right, right. <laughs> how, how much do the other manufacturers or companies watch each other or what's going on? Because we're always curious. Andre and I talk a lot uh, as far as trends, you know, whether obviously the Jets have really been coming on strong, which which I think is fantastic because three, four years ago, there we didn't see a whole lot except for the very niche market right. of those guys buying the big expensive Jets. And we're always wondering, like, what's the new trend going to be coming? You know, the high wing type planes got really big here the last couple, maybe two or three years. 
Does it just take a manufacturer to set that trend to bring out a product or are you guys just hoping like, for instance, the L39 came out and it's been a huge success because it's such a good flying uh, trainer type plane that this might just blow up and now everybody's you know going to hop on board. But how do you guys do that? Do you just uh, do you watch the other men? Do you have spies out there, you know, within the industry? I mean, I, w- I want to know how that works. So I, I like your analytical mind. You ever want to work for us? Give me a call. Already. <laughs> um, you know, I speaking just again, just just from my desk. Um, we try to set the curve, not follow it. So mm-hmm. are we spying on other people? No, it's not worth it. I mean, we're not curing cancer here, everyone. Yeah. We're just we're just trying to have fun. Um, so while we take our service and our quality seriously, we don't really pay too much attention to what other people are doing. Also, we have, frankly, the, we have the blessing of being able to represent as one of the resellers, most of the major brands in, in the electric sector, mm-hmm. uh, certainly in the foam sector. And that's, um, we may be expanding. We've got helicopters now and a few other sort of things in the works, but, but beyond that, um, there really isn't a need to spy on other people because we are other people. We only be spying on ourselves. Uh-huh. I also, again, don't think that ultimately that benefits our customers. If our customers see trends of things that they really want, they let us know. I'll give you a, a concrete example. Um, uh, there's a, when you, when you glue a servo into a foam servo pocket, this is in, in the instance where the servo is too small. It's not a bigger aircraft where it, it screws into, a, say, a plastic servo pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just glued right into the foam. If you need to, if you need to service that servo, or let's say your servo horn isn't centered, um, FMS did a really neat thing. They molded a little sort of channel in there where you could, without having to remove the servo, you could use a little oh, screwdriver, yes. Yes. put it in there. You could, add, right? You know what I'm talking about. Yes, exactly. So, Neat idea. We sell FMS. We thought it was a neat idea. Um, did Freewing proactively put it into their aircraft? No. Um, though we knew that FMS did it, that was, I guess it, that wasn't the reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Freewing eventually ended up incorporating that same design feature into their aircraft. Why? Well, because the customer. We had a rash of, uh, a, a sort of a spate of customers who'd be be really nice so freewing incorporated it on some of their upcoming models and i and some of the mpl 39 actually is a good example of where it has that so in that way i think that's a good example of how we don't want to be iterative we don't spend a lot of energy certainly no time or money uh in in trying to buy other products and see what they're doing and see if we can if we can do the same we just we listen to our instinct. We trust our numbers. We frankly trust our our math and our our intuition on these things and our experience by now. Mm-hmm. And we fuse that with what the customers are saying. Um, that's always going to be the reason why to have done something. It's because their innovations or creature comfort customers are asking for. That's why I'm so big on engaging us. If you hear me talking, you want to talk to our people, call us, jump on Hobby Squawk. Mm-hmm. just in a forum because we want to be those guys who will take that input and you may see it on an airplane one day. 
Um, I think that's, again, stepping back out of my seat and just commenting on the hobby as a whole. This is a, this is a small pool, everyone. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Don't don't let news reports of DJI's hundred billion dollar valuation uh, confuse you. This is a small pool. Mm-hmm. We're all family here. I'd like to think that um, the hobby is in a place where we can get innovation. We can accept that we're in a we're in a modern social media type <laughs> uh, situation internationally, where ideas are shared and people can com- come together and say, "We'd like to see this. We'd like to see." an 80 millimeter jet that can do this speed. That's this price point, hopefully at this sort of, uh, uh, flight duration. And then we, and everyone else with the factory here can try and make that happen for customers. Um, you know, the competition to deliver what the customer wants is really the only competition we're focused on. Mm, Interesting. Huh? Um, we have a, gentleman here he's a big rc after hours fan dj nefe and i'm sorry dj i always goof up your name but uh he's from the netherlands and he's a huge gas and glow plane guy uh, he's got some beautiful planes and he's always uh trying to get me on board just you know get some gas planes and this and that and Do I, it. yeah, i'd like to it's it's a little bit harder for us because we, we would actually have to kind of go somewhere or go to a different field or join a club or something but mm-hmm. honestly, I thought, and we talked about it at length a while back when a lot of these manufacturers started taking some of these glow planes and turning them into gas. And, you know, we're, I think they're down to maybe a 10cc gas, a 15cc gas, that I thought maybe this might be, a, again, kind of a trend where we're going to see some more gas engines coming out and more planes, smaller planes with the gas. So he's interested to know where does motion see some of the gas glow planes? You know, where do they fit in? Is it something maybe you guys are going to be getting into or is that not, you know, your market? Uh, yeah, I think um, Stuart may have, may have mentioned it on a, on a previous podcast. It's a good question. Most of us here at motion RC fly gas. Um, we certainly flew gas long before electric came around. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of good options out there. There is, I mean, NGH got a, has a fairly reliable 9cc. Um, if you want to go into nitros again, I mean, just Google small, the S-M-A-L-L, the small event. Um, good friend of mine, Tony Accurso and his daughter Evelyn, they, they mm-hmm. take part in that event where people can jump into smaller liquid fuel. Mm-hmm. But um, are we going to necessarily jump into that? That, that remains to be seen. Um, I think your, your secondary question earlier I'll come back and answer that now in the context of, of gas. Manufacturers do try to set curves and try to set trends, but at the same time, they, they need to, at least we try to be very sensitive to, to what the, to the trend that the customer is. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so if, if that makes any sense, what I'm trying to say is, is right now, most people are flying, are flying electric. Most of the people that we talk to are flying electric. Um, we hope that that sort of, we hope that that doesn't obscure the, the fun and the uniqueness of, of gas, being a sort of balsa gas purist. I know it may sound weird because I'm here at an electric, uh, predominantly electric RC aircraft company, but, um, but yeah, I would encourage anyone who wants to see 
who wants to see gas uh, have the same resurgence or the, the same popularity that sort of electric is joined right now, um, you, the listener, that's within your control. Uh, if you let us know what you want and if you patronize the people who are, who are selling gas right now and obviously the aircraft in which those power systems are installed, then that's going to help that category of, of the RC market grow. Um, and then again, it gets back to numbers. Um, it's hard to grow. If you're making a gas engine, um, it's difficult to grow your company and expand your offerings. If what you have to sell now is not being purchased mm-hmm. by people who are saying, we really wish, you know, gas was more widely available or I'd really like to try it. But, um, so I think really the onus is on all of us who love it to, patronize it as much as we can and hopefully manufacturers like us and like everyone else will will see that there is indeed still life in in liquid fuel as i personally believe there is Mm -hmm. is there do you ever see a point probably not but i'm going to ask this question anyway and i'm going to get the balsa people just super mad at me because again i'm I'm Uh, not uh, a huge fan of balsa planes i i do have some and i have a mystique glider here that's balsa and fire i absolutely love it so it's not like i'm against it but do you ever see down the road you know once the the formulas get better and better and better with the foam that we will see a gas engine in a foam plane uh absolutely um i think i think the the beauty of the democratization of the hobby internationally this is sort of one of those it's a byproduct of of the internet, you could say um, every hobby is sort of experiencing this. We can share ideas. Uh, we can push limits. Manufacturers sort of have the, they have the intent and wherewithal. They sort of have the freedom to, to make that turbine powered foamy like HSD did. Um, they can make that massive, uh, blonic, I think it is, uh, that e-flight did a huge three meter or so, uh, glider which you can strap a turbine into. Um, you know, there are people who fly gas foam now. There are people, friends of mine at Apollo back there in California who, who retrofit those things. So, so if it can be made, if there's a power plant uh, and, a, and an aircraft material, every permutation we're going to, we've actually already seen it. We've seen foam turbines we've seen gas foam we've seen balsa electric we've seen yeah we've sort of seen all those things um i think your question is more will we see that really hit mass production levels yes and yes or will we see it in the volume where it begins to displace and even possibly kill some of those other formats i don't think so. okay um i think balsa will always balsa will always be uh simply because at the end of the day it's 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 just balsa yeah <laughs> it's it, it offers an entirely different experience from foam we could even say the same for composites i think there will always be composites once once the cat's out of the bag that composites um provide x y and z benefits you can see cost <laughs> there are always going to be people who are going to prefer that or gravitate towards it. Right. Uh, Skymaster, Fabau, those guys are always going to be around pushing fiberglass, uh, pushing composites. Um, I hope that balsa companies 
continue to stay in business and continue to innovate and produce new products so that that category can continue. I think there will always be people who will want them. Um, I agree. You and I have the luxury of being in the in in a in an era where we get to actually choose. And like mm-hmm. you said, you got one one of one, one of the other, one yeah. of the other. We sort of we can experience different ones. Right. And and I agree with you. I don't want somebody to get the wrong idea. I've, you know, just a personal thing. I love to look at the balsa planes. I think they're amazing how how they were built and and I don't want them to go away by no means. I just, you know, as another alternative to gas, you know, I was wondering. Um yeah. and Dietier, he's he's always on me about, you know, he's a big balsa guy and he's always joking around that balsa flies better. So Alpha, I want your opinion, since you're right in the middle of everything, what are some of the differences you see or have found in flying characteristics or differences in flying a foam plane versus a balsa plane? I think you said it there. Balsa flies differently. Better mm-hmm. is purely subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, between balsa foam and austral composites and they're just for a wide comparison uh-huh. I mean you you have difference in in modulus in in the flexibility of the materials in the trailing edge thickness that you can impart in some of those materials which is directly going to affect your your speed and, and other aerodynamic variables uh, stiffness is a is a big deal it's why you don't see a lot of you know you don't see a, a a twin 127 millimeter EDF A10 that's 2.2 meters in wingspan. I mean, uh-huh. stiffness becomes a concern uh, with foam, whereas in balsa you can build them out uh, and 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 not need to worry about that as much. Um, in each of those technologies, in each of those materials, there are these curves. If you imagine a graph, there's a curve where a graph, rather, I should say, a graph or a plot where you, you, the advantages begin to be disadvantaged or, or outweighed by their disadvantages. You know, foam, I can build it really big, but to get it a wide wingspan, uh, even approaching something that I could accomplish in, say, a 120cc uh, balsa cub, mm-hmm. I'm going to need to reinforce that foam to the point that it's going to be much heavier than that ball. Yes. Cub. Yes. And so right. my wing loading and, and thereby my flight experience will change. Mm-hmm. And in another example, uh, to use that stiffness example, which shouldn't be understated fiberglass uh, turbines, like my, my Fabel Velox, for example, that aircraft is very unforgiving because it's very rigid. Foam has a suppleness to it. We actually purposely design in, cameras and other types of technologies to build in a certain sort of, there's a preferred amount of flex. Um, it's one of our secret sauce numbers. It's why, it's why foam is able to fly, sort of you'd say on rails and, and yet um, be supple you know, because there's a little bit of flexibility to it. And that's something you can't get in balsa. So mm-hmm. someone, so for you, Chris, if you were to jump in to say, if you're to jump into a, I won't use engine size, I'll just use wingspan. If you're to jump into say a, a two meter cub, mm-hmm. um, yes, and you were to compare that, yes, yeah, yeah, you were to compare that against, uh, say your uh, your your turbo lever, your, okay. your fly zone lever. One thing you would immediately notice, I think. Let's just say those are both. Let's just say they're both electric. 
I'm okay. going to try and minimize differences. But just say they're both electric. Mm-hmm. You'd probably notice that the cub is going to be more rigid on the wing. Likely going to have lighter wing loading. Um, uh, but at the same time, you're probably going to need to fly it more coordinated. You're probably going to need a rudder, more rudder than you would with a foamy. Um, I think also, as I'm thinking this on the top of my head, size, again, we're skewing the example here, but size also plays into our perception of how we're flying the aircraft. People say larger flies better. Mm, it does in a way, but, but a lot of that is also mental, I think, because you can see the aircraft easier because yeah. it's bigger. Yeah. So you're going to operate more confidently and give it the inputs that it wants more readily. Um, the same thing you see with a larger balsa aircraft, we call it the pucker factor, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that the A-10 flies so amazingly. It does, but it's not that the freewing A-10 flies so amazingly so much as it is, it's a $500 airplane. You have $200 of batteries in it. So you're paying attention when you fly it. Um, <laughs> compare that to someone who's, if you have $100 in the air, let's be honest. I mean, yes. we're not exactly. You know, you're not exactly lining up in, in, in your pattern on short final perfectly every single time with that right. 64 millimeter foamy. You're just sort of, you're shooting the breeze. Right. Bigger aircraft, more expensive aircraft, aircraft that, that just innately require more care. Uh, I think I've, uh, I think I can say I've observed that a lot of pilots will take care of that aircraft, um, and operate it more responsibly. Thus, they, they land and say, oh, that thing flies better, or it's it's more sturdy, or, or what have you. So I think mm-hmm. it's a little bit of both. They're both aerodynamically, they're different, and and there is a mental facet as well um, in how we operate and perceive the experience. Yeah. Now, uh, real quick, I don't know if we've touched on this before. If we do, I don't really remember, but uh, what about the the foam core hollow wings? I know Horizon's got a couple planes out, and again, we I think we talked about it uh, in length on several podcasts ago, or maybe even a year ago. We thought maybe that was going to be something that was going to be um, uh, coming up, you know, like a lot of more bigger foam planes with the hollow core wings and the carbon fiber spars inside. But we really haven't seen much as far as size they're they're generally in the in the smaller planes right now is there a reason for that maybe cost or price uh, uh, again i threw a picture in there for you to take a look at in skype by the way mm-hmm. that's the a10's wing you know we've got carbon aluminum uh plywood ribs and foam so it's it's, it's a multi-material wing mm-hmm. and that's because that aircraft needs it so to answer your question shortly, there's sort of two variables that at least we look at. One, does the aircraft need it? Um, and, and two, does, does it actually impart a better flying experience? Mm-hmm. Um, if either of those are no, it's not worth it. Um, and then, the, again, the undercurrent of, uh, beneath all this is, is a cost considering. That big 1981 millimeter, I think it was, 1980 millimeter T28 from E Flight flew really great. And I loved mine. That's a really, really fun airplane to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think a lot of pilots who own one would say, really fun airplane. The numbers, frankly, weren't really there um, on, the, on the back end. So you, I think a, a lot of people thought that there was going to be 
this wave of large aircraft mm. flew yeah. like that. And, and if there were, I would say they'd probably all fly really great. Um, but with that size and with that complexity comes higher cost. So we're back to the beginning of the conversation where, you know, we can, we can say what we want with our mouths and our fingers on the keyboards, but the manufacturers, they, they need to make decisions based on what we've said with our, with our wallets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I would bet both of my thumbs and I need my thumbs. I bet <laughs> both of my thumbs that the number of UMX champs sold uh, Way, by yeah. far, by far, by far eclipses exponentially what the, what those larger aircraft, certainly what, 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 what my A-10 would have ever sold. Gotcha. Well, what's interesting, what, what's interesting on the, on the horizon line is, yeah, we, we, we haven't seen any, you know, real push on the, the carbon Z big, big planes for foam, but mm-hmm. the hangar nine lineup just like exploded over the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing too, right? Not only are, is it smart to sort of play the field and, and try different categories, speak to those different uh, consumer markets, but, but also at certain sizes, you know, it, it is going to be more economical to, to make a, some of your listeners, but. Come on. Are, these are insanely, insanely expensive. Yeah. These are college tuition for all four of your kids expensive. I mean, these are just one of them. Um, Balsa is a, is an entirely different uh, it's in, these are entirely different factories, entirely different uh, workers, entirely different skill sets, both on the design and development side and on the production side. So, if I had to again guess, I would I would say their their numbers, their numbers, they're looking at numbers and they're smart guys. They're looking at their numbers and trying to make informed decisions again to try and set a trend or, or revitalize one without losing their shorts while still providing something that meets their standard, which is by now a well-known standard of quality and performance. And sometimes that, that checklist of things you want is going to point towards also. Sometimes mm. it's going to point towards foam. Sometimes it's going to point towards multi-material. Um, the key thing is as long as there are developers that, who are paying attention to those variables and making informed decisions, I think ultimately the customers benefit. And that's again, goes back to the whole democratization of the hobby where people can talk and share ideas and manufacturers savvy and intent enough to listen can really get really good information on how they should behave, act and produce product. Oh, interesting. Really interesting. Um, DJ had a question too. He's really been eyeing up the T 45 and he wanted to know how well that thing can fly off of grass. So the T45 was one of my earlier products to share, and I mm-hmm. apologize if I'm butchering your name as well. But um, that aircraft was, we developed it to be a super scale 90 millimeter. So it's the preferences or our priorities in its development were scale fidelity and, and creature features. So it's the first PNP foam aircraft to have uh, electronic uh proper slat, not servo driven like the old uh, air servo uh, actuated slats. And we threw in air brakes as well. So 
that's really the design priority of that aircraft. And then you get into the fact that it has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think nine doors on it. I mean, it has the fully scale, a fully scale sequence landing your doors. So I say all that this year because what was not a priority, what was sort of third on the list behind those, those two former ones was grass capability. Um, the T-45, the real T-45, has very low-slung doors. And uh, the short answer here is if you want to operate the free-wing 90mm T-45 on grass, I would encourage you to, um, you again, grass is a subjective term, but I'm guessing your grass is 30, 30 millimeters or so tall, no taller. Even if it is, I'd encourage you to prepare, you probably are going to need to remove the lower gear door on your mains. Mm. Um, a lot of people say that because this aircraft also has the trailing link suspension struts, like the classic T-45 is known for, that really long long stroke trailing link on the mains, um, the compression of that strut, depending on how hard you land that aircraft, you can dig that, that door into grass. Of course, when you're building an aircraft for scale, that was never intended to ride on grass. They didn't need to take into account those clearances, but if you're running it on grass, you will. So that aside, I don't think power wise, people haven't really let us know that there's any problems. The aircraft's been out for, for three or so years now. And uh, we operate it throughout Europe, but you're in Netherlands. We've got a lot of people in Europe operating them. Um, the other consideration I would say to look out for is, the T-45 also, by virtue of its scale, the nose wheel. And um, you'll want to just, again, pull up the specs and look at the height of that nose wheel and check that against your grass. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to, to assess sight unseen because grass, we hear grass. Yes, today. yes. Grass can mean, I mean, is it golfing green? Is it rough? Is it... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, is it is it astroturf? Uh, suffice to say, if it's if it's more than fifty percent the height of the wheel of any given aircraft, the wheel's not going to want to rotate. And uh, if wheels don't rotate, neither will you. <laughs> wow, boy, that really is a beautiful looking aircraft. Ooh, yeah. I'm pulling up some I, pictures I almost, here. I almost scooped up one. But, Did you really? Uh, yeah, a buddy of mine had one for sale. I almost looked at it, but I, you know, I picked up. I, I'm like, well, you know, it, it kind of, you know, I've already got something in that color scheme, so I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I got you, but man, just uh, I never noticed it actually has vortex generators on the wings too. I never noticed that before. Yeah, a lot of plastic on that aircraft. It's got blinky lights all over the place and mm. plastic vortex generators. The, the, the flaps themselves are actually plastic as well. So the mm -hmm. whole leading edge of the wing is plastic. It's not a foam. So oh. Um, and then it's got a cute little, the magnetic nose cone, that, that long pedo, also a, a big part of the T-45's design. Uh, that pedo is made of, it's molded out of a flexible material, mm -hmm. uh, out of TPU. So when you when you hit it up against something, it doesn't snap off. Or break. Oh. So, um, yeah. And I sized it, a little bit of trivia, I sized that specifically to use a uh, to use an airspeed indicator 
I don't I think I've only seen one person ever do that. I think it was Hanky or someone on RC groups, but, um, hmm. but yeah, for, for anyone who wanted to put an airspeed indicator in there, uh, any of the commonly available ones that use the Prattle, uh, uh, indicator tube, drill that out. It's the perfect diameter. Ah, wow. You know, for something that honestly, something that big size scale, everything, you know, four, four, 450 bucks us. Man, that is not bad at all to your door. Wow. Six L five thousand. Hmm. Beautiful aircraft. Yeah, that was I think our first ninety after the F sixteen, mm-hmm. and and that taught us a lot about again what people were wanting as far as a balance of features and price and performance. And you can sort of see, you can look back. I don't think any of them are really duds. But you can you can look back and see how that philosophy has has evolved or sort of matured as we've responded to what customers have wanted. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the coolest thing about the past five years, I'd say, is that I, I hope some of your listeners are our customers and they're sort of nodding because they know they're in this group I'm, up, I'm about to talk about. But I've been able to, to appreciate is seeing people come to us four or five years ago and with each new release that we've released, that we've come out with, they sort of see themselves, they see their input in it. Um, they see that as we've progressed and evolved, it's really been in response to to them. Um, yes, we have our, our internal preferences and what we want to accomplish, but we've really tried to do that in tandem with what people have wanted. And what they've wanted has changed as their skill set has improved, as they've gone from the Champ to the T-28, to the Rebel, uh, to the F-86, to the Avanti, to the A-10. You know, they we can we can see that progression and so it's just continually this continually informed process of making new product what we're coming out for 2019 is going to again show what we've learned from 2018 2017 you know which is always going to be a reflection of where customers were at at that given time so it's pretty exciting to stand back and look at all that wow Interesting. Uh, any other questions uh, here on Facebook Live? If uh, here's your chance, get them out there for Alpha. We probably won't have him on here too much longer. So, and it, man, what good conversation! I have to admit, this has just been fantastic. <laughs> I could probably sit for if if my butt didn't hurt so bad and I didn't run out of coffee, I could probably <laughs> just keep going and going and going and going. I absolutely love talking to you, Alpha. I don't probably one of yeah, our favorite guests. You love it. Oh, it's, you know, the knowledge and, and, you know, I don't honestly, Andre, I can't think of one question we haven't thrown at Alpha that he hasn't been able to give us some kind of answer to, you know, and most of it's in great detail. Yeah, but he hasn't given us any hints about stuff either, which is, you know, yeah. come on. Right. We got to get, get him all liquored up like Steve and he'll spill his oh, guts. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Um, well, I think before we do let you go, Alpha, it, what can you might have just touched base on a little bit? Uh, obviously, we know Christmas is coming up. 
you guys generally don't disappoint coming up, you know, in November, December. So what can you maybe uh, tell us a little bit? I'm hoping uh, you might have some new products coming very soon in the next two, three weeks. So I'm sure we might have you back on. But what can you give us some hints or, or anything about what's coming out here shortly? Uh, well, I don't drink, so that's going to be really difficult. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, um, <laughs> I'll say that... Um, I'll say that the key to happiness is managed expectations. There's <laughs> 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 oh, a quote of the day. Uh. It's, it's true. Um, to all of our listeners, for those of you who want that UMX airplane, those of you who want that, that big high wing, those of you who want another jet like the L39 or bigger or a smaller one, or a civilian airplane, or or gas, or you want a dirigible, or an RC submarine, um, uh, I can say that if you don't, if if you forget that we might make one, then if we don't, you won't be disappointed. <laughs> but um, but I'd encourage people to uh, to consider us. I suppose keep an eye out on um, on what we've got coming. Mm-hmm. Anything that we may or may not be talking about, we will always mention on Hobby Spot first. Okay. And so, um, uh, uh, gosh, if you guys could see what I was looking at right now, I tell you. Um, what, what, what can I say? I'm trying to try to stump me, Chris. Yeah. Um, well, let me throw this out there. We may or may not know a few things coming down the pike here very soon. So I will just say, folks, stay tuned. It's going to be very interesting. And honestly, yeah. I can't wait in the next two or three weeks when we get you back on and we can actually talk about these things. So if you do have some cash coming or something you're excited about to buy for Christmas, you might want to wait and listen to the uh, next podcast with Alpha and see what what yeah, they got cooking. I think that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, we're going to let Alpha go. We have a f- just a few more things we want to touch base and some emails that we uh, haven't got to for quite a while. So, uh, Alpha, thank you very much for uh, – it was a last-minute thing. Uh, you know, we weren't doing much, so we, we asked you or Andre asked you to come on. Just hang out and bench fly with us and, yeah. you know, have some fun. That was it, fun. These are always my favorite podcasts right here. I, you know, obviously I love new products. But when we can just come on and bench fly about anything and everything, and uh, to me, that's, I think, the best podcast. We can get our listeners involved and ask you questions. Just a good time overall. I absolutely love it. So thank you for coming on. I love it, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the listeners, and thanks for the question, you guys. Yes. I'm sure I'll be on eventually, sometime soonish. Yes. Uh, yeah, after talking uh, earlier before the show, we are definitely going to have you on here in the next uh, two or three weeks for sure. So uh, we appreciate it, and thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. Take All right. Easy. Take care. There you have it. 
Alpha Enos joining us. What a fantastic guest. Uh, Andre, I could talk to him for hours, I swear. Yep. Fantastic. Yo, like you. Like you. I'm like, I gotta move soon. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. This is this is two two hour podcasts in a row this weekend. So oh, like, that's okay. right. Um that's a lot of talking. Yeah. That's no, good. Real it's quick, good. Andre, I got some products coming up. We just want to mention nothing major and a couple emails to read and we'll get out of here. But why I'm doing that real quick, uh, was there anything you needed to talk about Flight Fest down in Texas or anything people need to know? Uh, we're, yeah, I mean, I take off middle of next week and, uh, you know, a couple hops over to get there, but it'll, I'll land midday on Halloween. So that's always fun. It's the second year in a row that I'm flying on Halloween, but yeah, uh, it looks good. It looks good. My family stopped complaining. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> uh, it was a good show, actually, the last podcast we did with the, with the, uh, the, the flight test community cast. Um, uh, but flight fast, no, it looks, it looks really nice. It's going to have a, um, it's going to have a nice flyaway feel to it. We've done this will be our third flyaway event. Uh, last year was California and Florida, mm-hmm. so it's nice and simple. Uh, Louis sends uh, Louis sends. Uh, yeah, Alpha needs to send us some review planes. Yeah, yes. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Motion. We haven't done a review since we did the uh, did the, uh, the the sixty four mils. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, it's uh, yeah. Texas. Texas is going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. It was kind of a after a couple of weeks of craziness in in here, uh, I'm I'm really happy to say we're getting out that I'm getting out of the <laughs> the snowy land and going south. You know, mm-hmm. Eddie keeps telling me that we should bring some shorts, so it looks like it's going to be in the 20 Fahrenheit. No, it's not a 20 Fahrenheit, 20 Celsius kind of thing. So, yeah, Good. yeah, I'm excited. Good deal. So, hey, can anybody hear the chargers going off in the background? I, I have to get I, go mute them. I haven't heard them to be honest with you, but if you want to run back, shut them off. That's fine. I'll jump into. Uh, what I wanted to talk about real quick uh, yeah. with Alpha here, we were just talking about Horizon and their Ultra Micro series. We, you know that they've really cornered the market on this, and they keep this year just keep pumping out some awesome, awesome looking micros. And the next in that series they just released, I believe on Thursday, is the Ultra Micro Sirius SR22T Bind and Fly Basic. And looking at the pictures, this thing is unbelievable as far as appearance and looks and everything. And true to their Ultra Micro series, I'm sure it flies fantastic. Real quick, some key features. Officially licensed replica of the current best-selling single-engine airplane. Completely factory assembled, ready to fly out of the box. 2.4 DSMX technology. Incredible stability and precision. (laughs) I got it. I got it. and precision of AS3X, optional use safe select flight envelope, powerful 300 or 3,600 kV motor, crisp four channel control, steerable nose wheel, great for handling, convenient top notch, fully conceals a flight battery, option, operational LED wingtip lights for improved visual orientation. Uh, accurate outlines, clear windows, cockpit detail, and a scale shaped three bladed propeller and matching spinner. Uh, full range, five channel receiver, 180 to 300 milliamp, two cell lipo battery. In the box, you get the plane, of course, the motor, receiver, ESC, two 2.3 gram performance linear long throw offset servos, and a product manual. And that is the Ultra Micro Sirius. Uh, again, that's another, I think, great addition to the Ultra Michael series. Real quick, we'll go over some specs. Flying weight is 4.2 ounces or 118 grams. 
foam, obviously. Um, propeller size is 120 millimeters by 73 blade. And of course, they're recommending the 280 milliamp battery. And the wingspan is 28.8 inches. So it seems to be they're all getting right around that 25 to 30 inch. Um, yeah, it, wingspan. It seems like they've yeah. It seems like they pushed up their wingspan. Like I mean, we saw this when when the uh, the timber, the UMX timber came out, and I was like, yes. it's almost like they should have gone with like UMX plus. As soon as they went to the two S, they needed to put in that mm-hmm. little extra wingspan to support the weight. Right. Um, you know, but uh, seriously, I I would uh, I'd buy a beaver over this little guy. Yeah. You know? Right. 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 I kind of agree. But again, there are a lot of people out there that just love the scale you know airplanes or the scale civilian stuff and again i looking at i got a picture up here on on the big screen of matt matt's probably one of the product developers for this uh with a picture of it and it does look absolutely stunning i think in the air they they really look good and we have been in contact with matt just because i know we told we told you we were going to have him on the show we are definitely going to have him on the show he's a busy guy uh he wasn't available this sunday and of course next sunday he's going to be down at flight fest texas and i'm sure andre you will be speaking to him down there oh yeah But hopefully when he gets back we're definitely going to have him on the show and we can talk about all all the planes he's um been developing this year and see what's going on new at horizon so uh, so you know what like you say that people love the scale so mm-hmm. at, at 100 and what 130 dollars for this mm-hmm. for 70 dollars more on sale right now it's back ordered right now but you can get the 1.5 meter uh, yes, I, I, yeah. I, I don't understand um, their strategy for the UMX aircraft. It seems like they they tend to overprice them. I agree, and a lot of times they will initially. You know, they come out at this price, and and then they will and drop they go the, up, yeah, or drop the price uh, later on. But again, it's I don't know. It's the Ultra Micro Series. You know, if you got a spot where you can't fly the the bigger scale yes. airplanes, yeah, I mean you can't beat these because they do fly really well. The way they they've got the program and going with the AS three X and everything, and they do look great in the air. So I I, I get the draw, and it's amazing to see a, a small plane like this that looks this good and flies this good. So it's definitely a draw. I agree with you, Andre. I think they are a little higher price, but. You know, for what you're getting, they are fun. Yeah, yeah, and I'm still a trike. Uh, I'm still sorry, a tail dragger kind of guy. Mm, gotcha. I still, you know, I I, I yeah. wonder this aircraft coming in on a, on a bluster you know, when you have a lot of wind, how that gear is going to take it, and if you you know how many mm-hmm. prop strikes you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's why we just fell in love with the timber because you just come in and yeah. the odds of you doing damage to your prop unless you nose that thing directly in or something. Mm-hmm. Are so, and that's why I I kind of steered away from uh, from from the big scale one. I, I I looked at it, yeah, and I just said, you know, you you know, I'm just a I don't know, right? And it definitely I have so few so few tri uh, trike gear aircraft, you mm-hmm. know. I forget what I was going to say now. Oh, it seems to be a reoccurring theme too that you know they get a good. Um, product out in their 11 or 1200 millimeter series and yeah. see how it goes and then, and then go they shrink and... it right down seems to be a pretty <laughs> which is which is so backwards but awesome right? i know i know common theme yeah. and let's see real quick pull this a umx commander Ooh. oh yeah there you go Ooh, that would be a gorgeous umx plane yeah Hear that matt i'll take royalties on that one yeah <laughs> and then real quick uh, also on thursday they brought out the 
smaller 110 Scimitar uh, racing drone. Let me pull that up oh, yes. real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. And I was looking and reading at this a little bit, Andre, and I guess really probably it's more of a faster, I, don't, I wouldn't want to say more professional, but more of a... Uh, how would you put it? You know, because I was looking at the difference between the Torrent and this. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's basically the same size, but it's, um, I'm guessing it's just a, a little bit, you know, faster, 6, racier. motors. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But really cool looking. I'll have to say I'd probably stick with the Torrent because I really like the prop guards and I fly that thing through the trees and through things I probably shouldn't. So yeah. uh, I do like that a little bit better. But what you're getting... um, 2.5 propeller it is i and i really really like the small little little drones i really do it's pre-built f- professionally tuned it's right out of the box f3 flight controller beta flight and beta flight osd 10 amp 4 and one escs d-shot 600 compatible 1106 motors with 6000 kv um video transmitter is a 25 to 150 milliwatt variable power mm cx connector circular polarized antenna spectrum tx control durable carbon fiber frame and a new strex strex stretched x configuration my mouth starting to quit working injection molded plastic pod covers all the vitals recommended is a two cell 800 or a three cell 450 lipo battery which i believe that's the same as a torrent Mm. so in the box you're getting the receiver the quad the four and one escs the motors beta flight controller the video transmitter and the fpv camera and manual uh real quick it says the next generation of high performance brushless micro drone and blade scimitar 110 brings basic features to an impressively capable micro drone sure to turn any backyard barbecue into a party ready to slice and dice out of the box the scimitar comes pre-built tuned and ready on day one, ideal backyard racer. It boosts a carbon fiber mainframe, durable pod protection. Can you guys hear my dog snoring in the background? <laughs> it's starting to drive me nuts. Uh, a 10, 10 amp 4 in 1 ESC D shot provides a smooth and predictable throttle and control response to the beefier 1106 6000 KV motors, making it more capable of taking the hardest of freestyle maneuvers. F3 flight controller comes professionally tuned. Uh, new variable power transmitter. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Frequency and channel can be selected directly from your Spectrum G2 transmitter with forward programming. The video transmitter has a stout MMCX connector and circular polarized antenna. Swapping antennas will be easy and accessible. Add a battery transmitter, FPV goggles, and modern. You'll be zipping around. So I'm get, guessing this is just a kind of more robust, racier style uh, torrent uh, reading about it with some probably a little bit better features as it is newer and bigger motors and everything. So uh, there you have it. I wonder, I'd like to see the differences in flying it between uh, the torrent and this. $199, yeah. it's not a bad price. Pull it out of the box, yeah. you're ready to go. 
Buy an Inductrix. Get it over with. Uh, buy an Inductrix <laughs> and get it over with. Actually, the, uh, on the community cast, Mike Finley talked about his new uh, brushless Inductrix and said it was a really good really, uh, really good buy. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's really satisfied. Although mm-hmm. he's not flown it outside, so you know we don't have that. And he says the prop fits a lot better. Mm-hmm. I'm still missing blades off mine. Mine's still sitting here on the bench after it. Um, I should actually fire up that stuff and fly it today just to relax with it. But uh yeah, I, it's interesting. They they keep pumping out of the stuff. I can't keep up with the different boards. Like no, Mike I know. said, my feeling comment there should be an F four versus an F three, and I'm like, huh? Yeah, I mean, right. I still fly those. I still don't fly that ninety. I fly that old, uh, my old multi RC thing. You know, it's ah, oh, jeez, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, 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 Lewis and I had a really good chat while it was over, and we we look at quads and say, oh, that's like four airplanes, you know. So it's uh, it, it is it's one of those things where. You know, I would just, uh, I don't know. I just, I think I'd rather fly a wing and get out there and have a good time with a wing than, than, than you know, fly a quad, land, if I find it, if I crash, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, it, you know, going into the winter, your, your uh, you, you know, your preferences change and, and then what you can fly and what, what, you know, in the wet season stuff. So definitely like something for indoor flying for sure. Yeah. Yeah. KK2. <laughs> yeah, KK. Oh, it's crazy where we've come, right? Yeah. Oh, geez. I just walked by my old tricopter the other day and I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> Should yeah. really break that thing down and put that away. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to wait till we get a few more emails. I probably have one, two, three, four, maybe five emails, but I'm going to yeah, wait till we story. get. Let's do a story session when, yeah. uh, you know, when we're stuck indoors at minus gazillion. Right. So please keep sending them in, though, guys. Uh, we like your emails. I have some crash stories here, a um, couple things about some – we talked about battery maintenance. So I got some cool emails I want to read, but we'll save them up here a little bit before before we read them all. And real quick, we haven't mentioned these guys at all, and I got to talk about them because they're fantastic and helping out the show. Uh, is our fantastic sponsor, GetFPV.com. Please go check them out. All your FPV and drone needs, they have everything there, whether you want some awesome Lumineer batteries, uh, their new Popo motors where you don't have to change props. You just click them on, click them, or click them off, click them on, which is fantastic. Full range of um, FPV gear. They also have a fantastic site. It's GetFPV at getfpv.com slash learn if you have any questions about anything in the FPV or drone related market uh, they have just about every question there you can go on and learn about cameras, ESCs, frames drones, motors, goggles whatever you need it's a fantastic site and the best thing about getfpv.com Andre is they have an RC after hours discount code uh, and it's been working fantastic for them so well. In fact, they've actually lowered how much you had to buy to use the code. So go on to their site. The other great thing is they have free shipping on most orders over $60. And for all you international listeners, and I know we have a lot of them, they now have DHL shipping international. So no waiting for weeks and weeks and weeks on your shipment or when it's going to get there or whatever. Now they throw it on DHL and it gets there relatively quick for going all the way over international. But the most important thing is go on getfpv.com, spend just $100. That is so easy to do nowadays in the FPV and drone market. $100 is like gone that quick. But the cool thing is you type in RC after hours 
and you get 10% off your entire order. And the cool thing about our code is if they are having a sale, my understanding is you can also use the RC After Hours code so you can get a double code and get more off. So please go check out our uh, getfpv.com, throw in RC After Hours, and give those uh, guys some love. Uh, they're fantastic people. Their customer service is fantastic. Everybody that I've talked to about GetFPV, they love them. So please help them out. They're helping us out and go check them out. So I think that's it for us. Thanks for joining everybody. We appreciate everybody coming on. I'm sorry about the um, the internet here. You know, it's luck of the draw. It, it's been horrible today. I don't know why. So hopefully Facebook Live has been working somewhat. Um, I don't know, but... I apologize. I don't know, you know, what I can do about that. Hopefully, it's better next show. And we do have more guests coming up, so it should be some good shows coming up. Andre, have fun down in Texas down there. You're probably going to love the warm weather, and you're not going to want to come home. You know? Uh, yeah, I was like that year in California, Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Pack Set your sun, your sunscreen. Winter, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and again, thanks for everybody that did come on, hang out. Uh, on Facebook Live. It's fantastic just to hang out with you guys and answer your questions. Um, and I think that's it. We're going to get out of here. I'll have a chat with Mike and see uh, when he's going to be back. And I don't know. Anything else? Shoot me an email. Let me know what's what's happening or what's going on or what you'd like to see or hear or whatever. So, all right. Enough. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys later. Ciao. Bye.